It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome. The Gene Otto and Jeffrey Show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller is producing the program for us. We're glad he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. The top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He is on Twitter at mgianato. Mark Good day, sir. Jeffrey, today is the day where I finally reveal to you mm. that thing Taylor Jenkins said I've the been other waiting night. All week. The other night mm. that we can add to like the Taylor yep. Jenkins lexicon of of uh, what what we call it lexicon of sayings, if you want, motivational sayings. I don't know. They're Coach like, speak. They're, they're like footballisms. Yeah, they're football guyisms. Footballisms, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, his most his. The one he uses most frequently is the yeah, and is the most I guess I never heard stable. it outside of yeah. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Was the you know, you gotta take your vitamins. Yes. That's what like getting shots up is. Yes, that, it's taking your vitamins, going through is, individual work. That's the first play you put in, in fall camp. Yeah. That's inside zone. You gotta you all correct. Technically you never stop taking correct. your vitamins. Exactly. That's really what it is. Correct. The whole offense is built off that. But Jeffrey, until the other night, I did not know there was a name for the process. Of what happens before you start taking your vitamins? You brush your teeth when it's with the Memphisers. No, in fact, this is and this has apparently been something he's been emphasizing lately, Jeffrey. You got to water the plants first, all right? You got to you got you got to set the foundation. You got to water the plants before you can take your vitamins. Which the reason why I love it is that's like not even true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, got to water the plants. Okay, gotta water the plants, Jeffrey. Can we also acknowledge that watering the plants is like, that's like what your mom tells you to do that you just always forget. I'm going to be honest. I don't think anyone on the Grizzlies has ever watered plants. Well, it's. I'm going to, I'm going to make that. That's, that's a totally out there. I haven't asked any of them, but my guess would be none of them have watered plants in their life. I'd like to know, this would be a nice little life moment. What percentage of men have been told to water the plants and haven't? Because. I just have vivid memories of whenever I hear water the plants, just of obviously not doing it, mm. and then coming back and you know your mom gets back a week later and the plants are dead, and then you're just you're trying to explain. It was really hot this summer. Yeah. Like, you don't understand. Like I watered them, but like it, it just wouldn't be like it just or it's like do you realize it right before she yeah. gets back and you're yeah. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like does this work? <laughs> Can you bring it back? Drink up. <laughs> this is this is before like really you could Google. Do plants come back to life? Like, you know, like there was you like what you couldn't really you couldn't really find the fast track. But yeah, watering the plants, I'm telling you, he needs to add you gotta brush your teeth. Well, it it's appropriate today because today Zach Kleiman actually spoke for the you know, he speaks like three, four times a year. Um, but he spoke post deadline. He he usually speaks post dead if we start from day, he spoke he speaks post deadline. He speaks at the very end of media the season. Clo- media, whatever, closeout day. Yeah. He speaks after the draft, and then he speaks on media day before the season. So usually four times a year. This is like our quarterly visit with Zach Kleiman. This is earnings call. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it sounds like, Jeffrey, they watered the plants, they took their vitamins, but sometimes you can do all that stuff, Jeffrey, and it, you know, ultimately you don't get the result right away. It's a pro- you know, It takes some time. You, you can try. But, you know, it takes two to make a deal. That that was a phrase that uh, Zach Kleiman used today. I'm trying to think how I feel about watering the plants. I mean, it's it's catchy. Like, that's that's definitely a big part of it. But it's also a little too close to the – I think one of the worst ones in all of sports is Chip Kelly's bamboo. Because basically, he's like – it's like growing bamboo. He basically was giving himself five years to suck at his job. And he's like, as long as I put together a run – because his, his, his metaphor is that bamboo – doesn't grow very quickly. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden when it does grow, it grows like immediately and everywhere. Like in massive. So basically, like he's listen, running the program's like it's like growing bamboo. But basically he was just giving himself the opportunity to just suck for four years. Watering the plants, I don't know, like still not as good as take your vitamins. Well, 
it was a different How type. How close are we to, like, mow the grass? <laughs> no, it's what's after Tate. There's got to be something for Tate better than Tate. Well, I guess we have the, the ramping up or whatever. Uh, I mean, playgroups is still. Yeah, playgroups is still. Playgroups is still my favorite. Um, regardless, they this was a different post-deadline I press conference it, with Zach Kleiman, I think. Because it, it, it felt like he felt like. I felt like it had a different tone, didn't you? Certainly. I think it was pushing back on, as he put it, misconceptions about how mm-hmm. this front office is operating right now. The misconception that they are ready, you know, they're just happy to let the development process play out and not aggressively pursuing upgrades for this roster. So we'll dive into everything Zach Kleiman said today here to start off the show. It's Friday, so, it's, you know, what are we going to be talking about? Are we still going to be talking about what Zach Kleiman did or didn't do? After the weekend, we'll dive into it here. It's Super Bowl weekend. Uh, Tigers are back in action Sunday against Temple. So lots of things to get to. 240 or so, Blake Topmeyer, the SEC columnist from the USA Today Network, is going to join us. Texas and Oklahoma, they got the deal done, Jeffrey. Shocking. They're going to be joining the SEC officially Man. next in 2024. So September 2024, they'll start playing football and what have you. Have you ever seen someone come back from the dead faster? Like, this was even faster than Gary Payton II did. <laughs> uh, but we'll get Blake's thoughts on that and all the sort of ru- the, the realignment rumblings that are starting to surface mm. once again. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into all that with Blake. Three o'clock or so, we will get into the list. Um, it, what do we got for the list today? We got some, I want to get, well, Tiger's back. Ooh, oh, yeah, that's right. Tiger's back. Um, we've also Chuck, got Chuck's in the news. Yeah. Charles Barkley might be getting a CNN show. Um, so, uh, interesting stuff for the list. And then, uh, we'll get you ready for the weekend. We'll tell you what games we're most looking forward to. I'm going to be curious. You know, Jeffrey has been kind of poo pooing the Super Bowl for the past couple of days. Is it going to be the game you're most looking forward to this weekend? I, that's, I, I, I wait with bated the breath. Suspense. The suspense. I know that's what everyone came to listen to. Um, but let's start with let's start with Kleiman and mm-hmm. the Grizzlies D- trade deadline aftermath, if you will. Um, like I said, it was uh, it felt like Kleiman wanted to make sure people knew, and it and it started frankly with the Zach Lowe report this morning because my gut tells me he's like, given what Zach Kleiman said, it strikes me as there was some information put out there for Zach Lowe to, you know, like some of these reporters to report to make sure people knew, hey, the Grizzlies were willing to trade their draft picks, okay? Like they were not, they they were not, they were not yeah, the they, ones playing hardball here. And I do think, I think it's fair to Because Kleiman didn't say specifically what they offered or who they tried to get, but it was very clear, you know, you could, you could draw the inferences yourself. I think they tried to go get OG Ananobi. I yeah. think they tried to go get Mikhail Bridges. I think they tried, and they were willing to give up quite a bit to do it. And I will say this. I think if he wants to push back on that, that's fine, because I do think there was the perception that they valued their draft picks mm-hmm. more highly than I think he was than he clearly admitted. Let's 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 hear from Zach. This is this I thought was the probably the most important it, it, trade deadline related quote, most important quote of Zach Kleiman's uh, press conference. Let's play. I think there's some misconceptions there. I think at any point in time, including at this deadline, we were very willing to be aggressive to maybe even overly aggressive if we could get the right player. There have been deals that we explored very aggressively at past deadlines for players that we would have been thrilled to you know, have that could have helped us you know, then and beyond. At this deadline, there, there were you know, several guys where we made offers that if they were accepted, you know, y'all would have said, wow, you you guys were over, you know, you guys went way too far, you know, and what you would have done there. But the reason we would explore opportunities, you know, like that is because we have a ton of belief in this group. And if they're, you know, we're, we're, I I think Luke is going to be very significant, you know, in what he adds to this group. But if there were, you know, additional, an additional player or players that, we could have added to this group that would have, you know, re- taken us to a, a, a different level as a team now and into the future. Yeah, we it t- takes two to make a deal, but we w- would have and, and tried to be incredibly aggressive. All so, right, first things so first, Zach. 
Mm-hmm. You don't get to tell us what we would be right. I know y'all would have said, "Wow, you guys went too far, yeah. way too far." You leave the takes to us. <laughs> we already got too many players podcasting now. <laughs> I don't need GMs firing takes like that. He says. He says though they made offers that would have said, "Wow, you guys went way too far." What would that offer have been in your mind, like for you to go say, "Wow, that's too much for OG Ananobi or Mikael Bridges? I'm certainly think it's. It sounds like it's all the picks. Yeah, I mean, I guess four firsts, right? Yeah. I mean, to be honest with I mean, you, Zach Lowe is reporting they offered. They're the, one of the teams that offered three first round picks for OG Ananobi. I mean, to me, again, like this, I'm being sarcastic when I say I believe the takes to us. I don't think I would have ripped them. I think I would have just simply said that price point, mm-hmm. like what you paid. Suggest that you better be right about this player mm-hmm. because you didn't like you've gone all in, yeah. you've cashed in your chips. But I don't know, I, I you know what I mean? Like I, well, I took it this way. I I thought it's interesting because he was tr- you could see even in that quote, but it, throughout his availability, which is like fifteen minutes or so, you could tell he's trying to balance. Like he doesn't, he, you know, like I think they 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 like their pickup of Luke Kennard. Like I believe them when they say like this was a guy. You know, this was like a top backup plan, you know, like ultimately. I think that, you know, even though some of the numbers, whether it's defensively it's, or the sound, fact that he wasn't in the rotation. Let, at, let's in, be clear. The it sounds like it was a backup of a backup of a backup plan. I mean, backup plan in terms of like he wasn't in that. Like he was a sure. he was a guy in that next echelon of player that they were after. See, I, I kind of. You had to kind of. This is, I guess, this would be my inference. What I'd say to you on that, the way that he talked, mm-hmm. doesn't that like imply like, listen, Luke was not part of the plan. Well, I, I think that that's that's sort of what I. I don't know if it's Luke was not part of the plan as much as we know Luke is like ultimately not the over the top guy for this team probably, um, and because I took it as he he wanted. To make sure you knew he tried to make a bigger deal yeah, so I just, much. I felt like like he went car shopping. That it, he went car shopping looking for like an Acura and came back with a Honda Civic. Well, and and it because it was on the lot, and it. But it also tells me is like they they still need an Acura. Like you know what I mean? Oh, like he, they, still, he still wants the Acura. Yeah, like like and he knows they still need the they still need a better piece, and so you know throughout this thing he was you know very clear like. He said, our championship window is open. You know, we are one of the team. I believe it, we view ourselves as a team that has a chance to compete for a championship this season. But the way he spoke today and the moves they tried and did not make tell me that they don't really believe that. Like, they, they, like, like maybe if things really fall into place. But I don't think you'd be thinking we have to go get another. And, like, I agree with that. I agree with that, but yeah. I just tell, you know, like I yeah, agree yeah. that they're probably a piece away still from being a you know like a team that really is going to go win a championship right now. So I hear what you're saying. I also kind of wonder if there's a no duh. Yeah, like doesn't every team quote unquote want to get better? Yeah, I mean almost. What but we- he tr- he was trying to add a starter. Like let's be real, he was trying to add a starter, and he didn't. I mean, he, it sounds like he might have been trying to add multiple stories. <laughs> like, um, and so I just found that I found all of that to be. And so I guess, this, and it's, this it is, was just a different, as you put it, different tone than what we've heard in the past. It was more about like this is the plan, this whatever you know, we're going to stick with our plan, and like they still are, obviously, and to a certain extent, but very clearly, like this deadline, they had grander plans for than what it turned out to be. I think that's. I guess that's fair. My question, though, is, is anyone really killing them? No, I think it, I, I, no. I think what happened is they got bothered that, like, Mannix is going on the radio and saying, like, they're going to get left behind. Like It did feel to me like that they were kind of subtweeting that narrative. But at the yes. same time, I don't really know of anyone that I respect his or her opinion mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. like, Bad move. Yeah. No, it was not a bad move. Like, I think Kennard will help them. There'll be some games. Well, in just the- in general, like, they're, like what they did. Like, do I guess this is the question. Should he be blamed for not making a bigger deal? 
No, I don't think he needed to be as defensive as he was today. I guess that's that's yeah. kind of where I'm I don't coming think from. he needed. Yeah. I don't think he needed like like I, there there are some fans who like I think though he felt this perception. It wasn't just I think the media. It was fans too on social media and stuff. You heard it. Oh yeah, yeah. of like yeah. you know like the this perception oh, for, for that the, the Grizzlies were like hoarders. To be you know to be clear, I am not saying that it, they made up a boogeyman. It sounds like to me, but I do think I do think that. I think the criticism and heat that they quote unquote were responding to was a lot smaller than they're acting like. It seems to me like they probably did as well as they could have ultimately. Like unless you want it, unless like one it didn't they if you're not willing to trade Dez, Jaron or Ja, which very clearly Correct. they are not. It feels like to me they did as well as they could have at the deadline because what Everything else they were going to offer. I mean, you know, like the the story is that Toronto wanted like a young, good young player in addition to those draft picks in order to trade OG Ananobi. That's the reporting that's out there yeah. right now. And it's that the Warriors were not willing to trade Jonathan Kaminga. And it's unclear if Zaire Williams would have fit that bill ultimately, given the state his game's in More right on him now. in a minute. Yeah. Um, and so... Would Brandon Clark fit that? But I don't know if they, you know, like, are you willing to give up Brandon? Like, does that defeat the whole purpose of the OG Ananobi trade if you're giving up someone like Brandon Clark in the deal? And would Toronto even want that? Because he's got four years left on his deal. He's already signed an extension. You know, my like, guess is, my guess is, would Santi fit that bill? So the Santi is the interesting one to me because my guess is Brandon Clark doesn't really. I don't think the Grizzlies would. He's let, 26. You got to remember, Brandon Clark's a little older than some I, of the younger guys. On the I team. also don't think keeping Brandon Clark would would be a deal breaker for the Grizzlies. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what I think it would probably be is Toronto probably doesn't value him. Yeah, and I don't think, frankly, we've mentioned this on the show. I don't think Dylan Brooks had a ton well, of value at the deadline either. I definitely think that's the case. I also think, though, let's go back to Santi for a little bit. I'm curious to know. You could tell me that Santi's kind of in that bucket of pieces they wouldn't really want to trade. I think maybe it's like, like I'd view it as I'd I'd give him up maybe in the uh, if I was getting Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, yeah, you know? but yeah. like I don't know about for OG Ananobi. Yeah, I mean, in the end, I think a big problem with the Ananobi deal. I mean, he's well, re- he struggles to stay on the floor. Well, and here's the other part of this that I find interesting in terms of. What Kleiman was trying to get out there today? Does I, it he, felt like it felt like he said we're still open for business? Well, because that doesn't say how much of this was also posturing for what he the knows. Summer. Like he's gonna like the fact that he was trying so hard to make a deal at the deadline tells me he's gonna try hard once again to make a deal in the summer of yeah, some kind because because he, then well, obviously it's a little more it's more pressing because Dylan's a free agent you got to figure out but like he knows he has to go get a starter. Well, I mean, to me, the other thing that was interesting was it wasn't just the reporting about yesterday. It was the reporting about the what they offered Durant in the summer. Yeah. So, they said I mean, every, pick, they, every pick you want, you can get. Correct. So to me, basically, like, what they're saying is, hey, it's we haven't just been – it wasn't like we just started getting active today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, we've been doing this for a while. And and it's 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 showing everyone, like, hey, we – yes – we we want to be sustainable and all that all those other buzzwords that they've used in the past, but uh, holistically uh, focused, linear. It was yeah. a linear, linear process. Linear, well, success, even even he acknowledges Mark, he Mark, said linear a little too much. Mark, success isn't linear. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, he acknowledged he says it, he's maybe said that ad nauseum at this point. See, that's why he's self aware. No, just avoid the take game. Yeah. <laughs> um, you'll find you'll find out what you say a lot if you start talking a lot. But it, it does seem like they are viewing themselves differently than they did even maybe a year ago. So this was kind of the question that they I had. They view themselves as a contender, and they're going to act accordingly. They're not going to, like, st- you know, stick to the developmental plan necessarily. Here's another question that kind of popped up during all this. Did this signal maybe the end of Dylan? Well, it's interesting. The Dylan part was the other interesting part of this because he was asked pretty quickly about Dylan. And um, this was his quote. Dylan is a huge part of this team. 
Dylan Brooks is not someone who is shopped or anything to that effect at the deadline. He's someone we view as a critical component of this group and very much hope and can see him playing a big role for us for years to come. So it's a it's a safe quote because it's like, you know, obviously Dylan's still on the team. you got to back him. Um, I don't know if I buy, you know, like we can get into semantics. Like, do I think he was calling up teams around the NBA and going, Dylan Brooks is available, Dylan Brooks is available? No. Do I think when a team was talk when he was talking to other teams about Dylan Brooks, he was talking about him as if like no way I would include him in whatever deal? No, there's no freaking way. But like if maybe he can, I'm sure he I'm sure he chose his words carefully there because him saying Dylan Brooks is not someone who was shopped or anything to that effect at the deadline. Like I'm sure there's a way he can explain that where it's ultimate where it's true, but also not true if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. I just got the sense of I don't know the 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 sense that I got from today is the only way Dylan Brooks was coming back is if he takes like the four year sixty million dollar extension. I would I I find it hard. I mean, here's what I'd say. To me, it it some of it is dependent on what it, what happens the next twenty nine games and in the playoffs. Well, because, I think, I think that's that's clear. But let's go back to what the Canard signing or whatever the Canard trade actually means. Mm-hmm. They had a little bit of extra cap room. They do not have any more cap room. Well, and I think I think you look at Canard as in the offseason, he's a guy, whether it's as part of a Dylan, you know, part of some sort of sign-in trade or whatever, he is like a piece you can use to make that tra- He's a piece that can help you a little bit right now, and then he's a piece you can use in the offseason to make the trade you tried to make at the deadline. The type of trade, yeah. I should say. Um now, so, but I think it's you know, like I'm going to be honest. I think it is going to be, um, especially if Dylan's level of play doesn't get better. I I do think that is a potential like if, landmine, if you will, for this team. Just like the whole Dylan experience, g- given what we saw in the last game where he got booed a little bit by the home crowd, and you know, well, and to, obviously, to, like to the point that you're trying to make, I would say this: I'm not blaming their. F- all their form on Dylan Brooks, they got bigger, mm-hmm. they got more problems. But I don't think it's coincidence that during Dylan's worst stretch of the year, they're, they're playing not, their worst basketball of the year. Yeah, no, I think that's because, that's like a in good the point. in the end, John Jaron have been pretty good during the stretch. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. That again, it's not just Dylan's fault, but yeah. like if no, he's Stephen Adams, but if he's playing better and scoring more, they're probably winning more games. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I thought, I think, I, I can't let this pass by without right. talking about it. Let's go. He was asked, Zach Kleiman was asked about <laughs> Zaire Williams today. And, um. Yes. <laughs> Remember, Jerry, it's not a lie. I mean. If you believe it. Well, and it was, I part of me wanted to, like, just stop the press conference and give him, like, a, an ovation. Because, like, this, this show. Well done. Has been built around. Tell your story, not mm-hmm. the story. Correct. And in regards to Zaire, when he was asked about this G League stint, and kind of where does Zaire fit into the team's plans these days, this was among the things Zach Kleiman said. Quote, we view the hustle, there's no such thing as a demotion. If anything, I think the narrative around that needs to be flipped. We want our highest priority guys to be with the hustle, playing 30-plus minutes per game, finding their rhythm. We have a ton of belief in where Zaire is going to get to, what he can be, and is going to be for part of this team. That's part of the developmental process at times. Okay. That is amazing. There's because no such thing as a demotion. I'm pretty sure getting sent from the NBA to the G League is a demotion. And, Zach, a quick follow-up. Does Zaire feel that way? Because <laughs> let me tell you who probably feels like it's a demotion. Zaire. <laughs> pretty sure the G League flies commercial, and y'all fly... Well, just charter. Just to be clear, by the definition, it is a demotion. Mm-hmm. He was on the NBA roster. He is now on the G League roster. Well, then we want our highest priority guys to be the hustle playing. 30. You want your highest priority guys not playing for the Grizzlies? Seem to Come for- on. I seem to forget all Get those games Ja played in South Haven. <laughs> was that part of the developmental process? Um, listen. I believe them that they still like they still have some belief in in that Zaire can Correct. become a player. Like you could say that without like trying to like pull the yeah. wool over our eyes here. Correct. Like that, <laughs> there was a way, there was definitely a way to say it other than by pointing the finger at us for saying that's a demotion. 
<laughs> it's a demotion. It it's by is. definition a demotion. It just is. Our highest. Pro- we okay. won our highest. Pro- We've got to gear up for that. G those G League playoffs. <laughs> Let me tell you what. If we ever d- if we ever did like a recapping the week. Listen, we could Don't, use Zaire on the on the Grizzlies, almost, but we got a big semifinal game in this league. Is that a better spin zone than Kara Lawson saying, uh, "We'll never know if we would have won the game with a with a women's basketball"? Have we played the first half of the women's basketball? And the best part is they won't know either. Because uh, one thing that I love about those good tell your stories when you like point the finger as well, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, among the other little things in this uh, that I took away. Grizzlies will not be involved in the buyout market. He pr- said that pretty definitively. I don't think they, again, I don't think they have any cap room. Well, you would have to release someone if you like. You know, you'd because you, they already they don't have any roster spots either. They'd have to release whatever Xavier Tillman or uh, I'm trying to think someone at the end of the roster, like the, one of the rookies. They're not going to do that. You mean like someone they sent to South Haven? <laughs> I don't think they're going to do that either. Um, what else did he say? Um, he he was asked about Stephen Adams. Just said still little ways to go on Stephen Adams. Didn't get any specifics, but uh, oh, and and Kennard will not play tonight. Grizzlies are in action seven o'clock uh, against the Timberwolves on ninety two nine FM ESPN. Mike Conley is here, but won't play either. So neither Kennard or Mike Conley, the trade deadline acquisitions for each team, are going to play tonight. Kennard apparently is in tran- was in transit as of around eleven a.m. So I bet you he'll be on the bench, but he's not going to play today. I was also thinking about this. If you wanted to do some spin zoning, if we if we need to do the Grizzlies' job for them, there is the possibility of a of a lift for Kennard, right, with an increased role. Like in the end, it feels like he's getting was, it, he's getting phased out at the Clippers. Like I could see at least like if you're going to a team where you know you're clearly a bigger part of the plan, doesn't that give you kind the, of a little boost? The talking point that seems to be going around is. Go look at those numbers he had that last year in Detroit. Detroit yeah, yeah, like like Kleiman brought it up today. Nothing like some he's empty clearly stats been on te- a bad he's team. clearly yes. been saying it behind the yes. scenes. Uh, yeah. you know, he was a play. He averaged four assists on that team, Jeffrey. Well, um, the problem is he's backed into a corner because what he really wants to say is go back and watch those Duke teams. We're making jokes, but like I do think he will help them a little. Like they 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 got better with the trade yesterday. I think. I I think incrementally. I don't, I don't know if you can say they got better. I don't think they got worse. I think he's going to be a better option right now than Danny Green would be. But here's like the real question. Is he a better option than if, say, Conchar were playing better? Because Conchar allows them to do a little, a few more things. Yeah, it seems like he is high-end Conchar. That's how I kind of look at him. I he's, think he's like like a little gun-shy at times, it sounds like, with, with Luke Kennard. Like, that was one of the Clippers' complaints. I think they view it as we're going to use him a little differently than the Clippers did. The Clippers just saw him as a spot-up shooter, and in our system, he'll be a little, with the movement we have and all that stuff, he'll be a little more than that. Good fit. Yeah. Like, they, they, they see him, they think he'll be a little better with them than he was with the Clippers. And I would hope so, because he was not in the rotation yeah, again, with the was, Clippers. Like, that's the other thing, like, I understand circumstances matter, but we are, like, in the end, what you're trying to say is they got better. I just don't know if you can definitively say you got better from adding a player that was not playing for another team that you're in competition with. Yeah. What are we because, gonna- by the way, you, you picked over the, all the Clippers roster. There's not an abundance of talent. It's yeah. not like, you know what I mean? Like, they have top-end talent. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the depth. No, is. I mean they paid him whatever they paid him. Fifteen. They were paying him fifteen million dollars a year to be like their sixth, seventh, eighth man. Like that's what they wanted from him, the Clippers. And for whatever reason, whether it was his fault, Ty Lue's fault, whatever, it didn't happen consistently in it, with the Clippers. It just didn't. But um, hey, I'm rooting for him. I, I, I must say. Well, yeah, you're a dookie. Well, not just a dookie. Yeah, I'm, I'm a member. Your coach case stand. as a member of the receding hairline club. I resp- have you have you checked out Luke Kennard's hair? He's. <laughs> I forgot to tell you. I forgot to text this last he's night. He's a he- Aaliyah. Aaliyah goes. My wife goes. Why did we get the guy that looks like a serial killer? Oh, <laughs> he doesn't look like a serial killer. She's like no, she did. I will say this: the picture she showed me. He serial. needs. He needs to get that one deleted from the internet. Like. You know, like that look in your eye, like that look that serial killers have in their eye where, like, there's, like, there's nothing home? Yeah. He needs to get that picture deleted from the internet. Mm. He needs to get on that. What was that? What was that? 
Reputation.com. Is that what was the the company that used to be like? You need us to fix your Google searches during the hiring process. Uh, well, I think I think it's. I don't know how long. I have a feeling the Luke Kennard era is going to be whatever twenty nine games plus whatever however long the playoff run is. That would be my gut. It definitely feels like a trial. Yeah. Not a rental, but a trial. Correct. And so, yeah, like unless he blows the the roof off the place, I just I don't know if I see that happening. But the players seemed excited about it. the two we talked to, Desmond Bain and Tyus Jones. Um, Desmond said it feels like every superstar uh, in the West is, or every superstar in the league is now in the West. The way he phrased it was the uh, seems like every superstar ever is in the West now. Yeah, that way of, that's like a nice way of calling Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving like Ev- old, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> but I think that's mainly targeted at Durant. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess the the big question I have is, did I mean he can be the way he wants to be? It's whatever. But did Clement need to be this defensive? Because it came off to me as very defensive today. Aggressively defensive, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, I don't know. It wasn't it, to me. It wasn't over the top or anything. I think he just he. There was certainly it. It was very clear he wanted to get some things off his chest and clear up some things about how he's approaching running the team right now. And did he need to be that upfront about it? Probably not. But I think in general. You know, the fan base will probably, like, I appreciate that more than, like, some of the buttoned-up stuff we get sometimes from the Grizzlies where you feel like you're not getting the, like, I felt like I was hearing from the real Zach Kleiman at times during that press conference. It wasn't just, like, he was saying something for the cameras. Like, I think he really believes that, like, they're being aggressive and just the deals haven't worked out. But, like, this notion that they are just sitting on their hands and not not willing to add anything and just build through the draft is wrong. And I think he wanted to make sure people knew it was wrong. Yeah, and I guess to be fair to him, he only talks four times a year. Yeah. So there was a lot. Like It did feel like he had a lot, a lot, build of, up here. A lot of stuff that he wanted to talk. He had to get yeah. off his chest. Now, I would say I would counter that's. His choice, ultimately. <laughs> like, he could talk more if he wanted to. Or, he, you know, if he well, wanted to, he could talk to the Grizzlies about choice? talking more. My gut tells, my gut tells me uh, it's made, like, I'm. he's not opposed to the way he's doing it, but he also wouldn't be opposed to talking more. If yeah, that makes I, sense. I don't get the sense that it's entirely his choice. I don't think he cares that much. Exactly. You know, like, it's and not so, like, like, if I someone tells fight, him yeah. this is when you should talk, it's this like, is and when I he's don't really want to fight that battle. Um, but, I do think once we get through this weekend, though, we won't be talking about the trade deadline anymore because they play Minnesota tonight, and then a big, you know, we saw how they treated that Boston game at the beginning of the season, and we know what Josh said, you know, what gets lost in that fine in the West stuff that they get, that gets thrown back in their face all the time now, is the one team he seemed to have, like, ultimate respect for right now was Boston, and they play them Sunday at 1 o'clock on ABC. I know it's not going to be... Uh, I did not realize we got a full Sunday. Yes, we got Tigers at, at 11, 11, Grizzlies at 1, and then the Super Bowl. Oh, thank God. I got an excuse to skip church. <laughs> <laughs> work. Go. I got to work, God. It's work. Sweetie, why don't you call my mom? Why don't you all go together? <laughs> why don't you do that? What do you think we'll be talking about come Monday? Grizzlies, Tigers, or the Super Bowl? I think it's going to be the Super Bowl. Like In yeah. the end, I stand by this. This is the least hyped I've been for a Super Bowl. I was doing. I went back today. I think it's the least hype I've been since Harbaugh v. Harbaugh. I. It was just tough for me to get fired up for a Joe Flacco, a Joe Flacco Super Bowl. Because the best part of that Super Bowl, remember, was the lights going out and everybody making Ray Lewis jokes, which just never get old. And I guess for you, that's also tough because don't all good don't don't good all 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 good skins fans don't they just hate the Ravens. Because they're better run and like it's they're all the thing like well I just start, hate, I hate them because like I, it's funny I watched the the Ravens thirty for thirty yeah. that just came out and like everybody I, says that's good by the way it was very good well it's because they had you have Siragusa the goose Shannon Sharp Brian Billick and Ray Lewis who are and Trent Dilfer who all of them are like great storytellers yes, ultimately and, and, 
And yes. that's what those docs— Sometimes the, even to law enforcement. They're, the reality is they're built around that. Like, Marvin Lewis is in it, but, like, you barely hear from him. Yeah. Because, like, ultimately— the other guys— The other guys, guys are just so much better at talking. Yeah, they're world-class talkers. But I hated that team because there were a lot— That was, like, my eighth— That was eighth grade that yeah. year they won the Super Bowl for me. And so many, like, fake— Bandwagon fans, bandwagon became, fans became Ravens fans because I was like, yeah. we're close we're enough DMV, to both. Yeah. We're, I lived where I live in Maryland. Yeah, even though you're like you know like it's Maryland's team. Yeah, but yes, I, I would say there's a health. It's not the same as like the Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles. But yes, I would say there's a healthy the the whole DC Baltimore dynamic is there's always a little bit of tension there. I just I look at this and I don't know why. Patrick Mahomes is in the Super Bowl, and I can't bring myself to, like, be fired up for it. Yeah. And I find myself, like, we. I think we need to just explore this question. Do we miss the Patriots? Mm. Well, I think Kansas City, maybe they can become the Patriots a little bit. I don't think so. They're, they're, Andy Reid's not hateable, really. Like, in the you know what I mean? Like, you have to, like, dig into, like, his family life to start, like, really... Thinking like, of things, and that, really, you just don't like his son. Yeah, sons. Uh, well, well, the whatever. other one had drug issues. Yeah, I don't, you know, the but other like one. Andy Reid pulling a cheeseburger out of a shoebox. Like, how is that never like that's gold? See, like Andy Reid talking about prime rib. Like, I, you know what I mean? I think you're probably right. We'll be talking about the Super Bowl, but plenty to get to uh, with the Tigers and Grizzlies. Still, John, John Morant got some good news today. I don't know if you heard about that. Good All Star game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll dive into that next hour. But coming up next, Blake Topmeyer. He's the SEC columnist for the USA Today Network. He's going to join us. We're going to talk about Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC in a year. Also, the latest conference realignment rumblings. I don't know if it'll actually – we'll actually see a shift, but uh, first, uh, first rumors in a mm-hmm. while have surfaced this week. So we'll dive into that with Blake. You're listening to the Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. The big game is the perfect time for football fans to join the huddle with BetMGM. Sign up today and place a $10 wager on either team to win. Regardless of your wager's outcome, you'll receive $100 in bonus bets instantly. Just use bonus code SB100, SB100 when you make your first bet. Get on the field and find out why nothing beats the big game at BetMGM. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use bonus code SB100 to win $100 in bonus bets if any player scores a touchdown in the big game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. First online real money wager only. Rewards issued as non withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Problem gambling sport. Call the Tennessee Red Line 1 800 889 9789. Blake Topmeyer is the SEC columnist for the USA Today Sports Network. Kind enough to join us each and every Fridays on Twitter at B Topmeyer. Blake, can you believe that the Oklahoma and Texas exit is back from the dead? Uh, yes, it, it's almost as if we. T- Spoke about this uh, mm-hmm. a week ago, right? Yeah, we uh, said this was. feels like a negotiation. A- exactly. I mean, 18 months out was was far too early to declare this thing dead. Um, I think anybody that was duped by that was either being willfully used as a mouthpiece um, for the Big 12 and or Fox, or just naive. Um, it, it, it obviously still had time to to get to the finish line, as I think you correctly pointed out last week, um, you know, not accepting the first offer that comes your way is just simple negotiation. Um, I actually think this, this works fine for all parties. Um, you know, I think everybody got something close to the deal they probably wanted. It's going to cost Texas and Oklahoma. It's not going to cost them as, as much as originally planned, you know, the big 12 and it gets the divorce that I think it needs. Uh, Fox gets something out of it. I mean, I think it works on all fronts, and I think it's what college football fans want too. Not not that any of this is really to serve them. Um, yeah, no. But, the, but let's part, let's be clear. Yeah, whether or not we're winners, they were not thinking about us. No, they weren't thinking about us. Yes. But but I do think that that's that is a side effect of this. I, I think 
you know, if you're in the SEC, you, you know Texas and Oklahoma's coming. You want them in now, uh, and so you'll settle for 2024. Um, if you refer a team in the Big 12, you, you don't want these guys lingering around and, um, you know, being in, being in your conference, knowing that they got one foot out the door. So I, I think it ends well. Well, and hey, listen, I just want to pat my alma mater yeah. on uh, the back. We should be, Michigan Blake, we should made be thanking, this happen, it sounds We should be like. thanking Mark. You know, Texas, that Texas-Michigan series got changed so that at the, the location, game. No, they just flipped the, the, yeah, they flipped the, who gets the home game, when. What, when, yeah. So the, the, the game in Ann Arbor is going to be in 2024 now so that it can be on Fox's which, big noon which can, kickoff. Way, can we just take a step back and talk about the absurdity of this? Literally, they're not changing anything other than where the game is played. And because where the game is played. It's on Fox, baby. That determined whether or not this move could happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah, a footnote in the in the deal yeah. for to be sure, but but means Arch um, Manning in Ann Arbor in 2024. Yeah, I mean, everybody wanted to get a little something out of this. Did Fox get enough? I, I don't know. Did the Big Twelve get enough? Maybe not. I mean, I, I think at some point, um, you you have to you have to find terms that that everybody's going to agree on here, or you have to just commit to dragging this out to the finish line. And I, I really don't think any party wanted to drag this out through 2025. So at some point, I think concessions and, and compromises have to be made. Do you think when Oklahoma and Texas join the SEC, they are going to be in the upper echelon of the SEC immediately? I mean, we've seen with... are o- the upper echelon of the Big 12 right now. I know. Like, well, that's my question. It's like these there are these giant programs, but it, what's funny to me is like, you know, I, Texas seems closer, obviously, right now than Oklahoma to competing for an SEC title. But, you know, Oklahoma has taken a dip with Brent Venables. It feels like that might have been the wrong hire. Like, where where do you think they'll be situated when they first join the SEC next year in terms of the pecking order? If, if upper echelon means in the top eight of a 16-team conference, the top half, then I'll say yes. If it means the top four, then I say no. I mean, I, I think they'll be somewhere in that, like, five to eight or nine range. Like, you definitively um, put Alabama and Georgia ahead of them, very clearly, sure. right? And I think LSU, too. And LSU. And then yeah. I think, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, I think I put Tennessee ahead of them right now. Tennessee right looks now, like yeah. they've got I mean, it figured they, out right now. Yeah, I think if they stepped on on the field against those teams uh, last year or even this year, uh, I'd, I'd probably like Tennessee. But but I don't see a huge gap, you know, between uh, Tennessee and, and Texas and Oklahoma, Texas A and M. Uh, I think Texas and Oklahoma, certainly Texas, you know, is turning in a better direction than Florida right now. Um, so I mean, I, I think they compare to those to those schools. They're they're behind Georgia. Alabama, LSU, but so, would it, so is everybody else that's, that's already in the SEC. And, and I think, you know, the SEC fans want to believe that their conference is so much better than everybody else's conference. And I think what, is, what tends to be true is that the top couple to few teams in their conference generally is better than, than the top couple or few teams than most of the leagues. I think the middle chunk of the SEC in many years, is fairly similar to, say, the middle chunk of the Big 12 with Texas and Oklahoma in it as the Big 10 in, in many years. Um, I, I don't think there's that much difference between the, the middle, middle of the pack in the SEC and the middle of the pack in a couple other Power 5 conferences. I don't think the SEC would want you to believe that, um, but I think we see it in head-to-head non-conference matchups. Um, I know bowl games are a little tricky because of opt-outs and all that type of stuff, but but I do think we see that in bowl games as well. You know, for all the chess thumping the SEC does, it, it's really great at winning national championships. Uh, it produces the the elite teams. I don't I don't know that I I would believe really strongly that the number six team in the SEC going up against the number six team in the Big Twelve has any substantial advantage on a neutral site non-conference game. I, I mean, I think they're fairly comparable, to be honest. Well, I mean, to your point, just look at look at when the SEC expands. Like, A&M has largely been what A&M was in the Big 12. Missouri... Yeah, better in the SEC. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, Missouri has basically been what they were in the Big 12. Like, they've... 
maybe they've kind of like fallen on like a rough patch now, but like, you know, they they came in and they won the division twice in a row. Like, it's not like it's not as if just entering the SEC is like going to play in the NFL on Sundays. That's right. I mean, again, I don't think bowl games are our best guide, but but they are one measuring point. I think back to was it, Arkansas played played Kansas in that that shootout of a bowl that went to overtime. I mean, those are those are two like middle of the pecking order teams in their respective. That was the most annoying game. I had I had Arkansas minus like two and a half, and they won by two. And they went by two. Yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They blew like a, um, a like a three touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but point being, like those are middle of the pack teams in their conferences, and then they stepped on the field, and and you know, I really, I really didn't see much difference. Um, I mean, even even more to the point, like when Texas hosted Alabama last year, that was that was a game that was decided on a on a last minute field goal going in, in Alabama's direction. So I just, I think SEC fans want to believe that when schools like this enter their conference, that that they're going to become doormats, or they're they're all of a sudden going to realize they can't compete in this league. But, you know, as you were discussing there, historically that's not true. I mean, South Carolina as a football program is in a much better place than it was before it joined the SEC. Missouri, I know the SEC East was in a different place then, but it won the division in two of its first three years. And I'd say its overall performance in the SEC is comparable to its overall performance in the Big 12. It had a few years where, where it was really – high in the Big 12, but but overall, the performance is comparable. And actually, Texas A&M is averaging a full extra win per season uh, in its decade in the SEC than what it averaged during its time in the Big 12. Now, it's coming off of its of its worst season right. since it's joined the SEC. It was terrible last year, uh, or something close to terrible. But during the duration of its time it's been the SEC, it's actually performed better than when A&M was in the Big 12. And so, yeah, I just don't I just don't think that these guys are going to come into the league and, and, and be down there around with Vanderbilt. Like, I, I think they are, they're going to be somewhere between that five and nine range in, in the conference, and then, and then it'll be hard to, to get into the top four, top three or four, which, which I think is going to be true for anybody in this league with the way uh, Georgia, Alabama, and, and now I think you can start to add LSU in that mix are, are doing it, and, and Tennessee's trending in that direction as well. What do we think about who – who Oklahoma and Texas will wind up having as kind of their permanents, you know, if they're, cause yeah. we, are you, in a, are you under the understanding they're going to do the nine game schedule, three permanents, six rotating? I, I haven't talked to anybody who doesn't think it's going to end up as that. Yeah, like, I'm, even, I'm in the, the same. People yeah. I've spoken to who, who personally prefer an, an eight game conference schedule, even those people I've spoken to that want that admit um, you know, at least privately, yeah. they don't think that's the way it's going going to end up. They think it's going to go to the nine game schedule, and the most prevailing model right now for the nine game schedule is, as you mentioned, three permanent opponents, and then the other six would would flip flop. You'd play them in alternating years. I mean, you know, I, I think Texas and Texas A and M uh, are going to be linked as, as an annual matchup. I think, uh, but A and M said no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They they initially said no, but even Jimbo has now said. Yeah, we want to play Texas every year. Um, so I, I think they're they're over it, or, or maybe not, maybe not over it, over it. But they're they're over the idea of of not having to play Texas every year. They, I, they know it's going to happen. I'm of the opinion that they always have to make it seem like they put up a fight. You know what I mean? Like that. It feels like their money people want them to like essentially cry foul play. It's with, it feels like it's like over there hexing like Bjork and Jimbo are like telling Sankey like. Just come out and say you made us yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we want to exactly. do it, but just tell us you made us do it. Hundred percent. Yes, know, that. Tell people you made that's us. That's what it do feels it. like to me with A and M. Yeah, and so that, and so I think that's going to happen. And Oklahoma is obviously going to be one of Texas, and so that leaves one more. Arkansas would like for it to be them. Our Arkansas wants to play Texas every year. Uh, I don't know if they'll get their wish on that. Does Sam uh, Pittman? Do I've always wondered, like you know, like when your boosters end up like scheduling an extra loss for you. Like, why? Why are you doing this to me? I don't know. Pittman wants him though. I mean, he he openly says it. This isn't even like in in closed door things. Like he he's publicly said. He publicly told me he wants to play Texas every year. Um, I, I think he knows. Like I think Sam Pittman is just one of those cases where it's like he's thrilled to have gotten to this point. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it's not, I mean, he wants to do a great job, of course, but I think he sees it like 
anything at this point is gravy for Sam Pittman. Nobody ever thought he'd get here, yeah. I think, as an offensive line coach. And so it's like, you know what, bring it on. Let's strap it up and play against Texas every year. Why not? Um, because in the years you beat them, your fan base is going to eat out of the palm of your hand. Even if you only do it once out every three years, you're, you're going to be a king at Arkansas anytime you beat Texas. Um, so I, I, I don't know that Arkansas will be the third, but I, but I think it's going to be Texas A&M and Oklahoma. For Oklahoma – they're going to have Texas as as one of them. Um, I think they may have Missouri as as another as kind of like their their lower rung type opponent, and that leaves number three. And I actually think number three is like a total wild card. I, I could see Oklahoma even playing like Florida. Yeah, I think Florida is going to be an odd fit. That's in yeah, that's three rivals. That's what Dellinger uh, had this morning. Yeah, and that one that one wouldn't surprise me at all because as you try to fit the chess pieces, you realize. Some games or some rivalries are just going to have to go. They're they're not going to happen every year. Like Florida LSU, you know, you could say like, well, keep that going. But LSU has like seven teams that they could be paired up with. You know, uh, Florida Tennessee again. You you could make a case that that should stay on the docket. But Tennessee has like four or five teams they could end up paired up with. And so as you start to make concessions, I think Florida Florida's obviously going to play Georgia as one of their three. But I think the other two are kind of wild cards, and I could see where, where Oklahoma fills one of those spots. So That'd be a great uniform game. It would be a great uniform OU game. OU and yeah, Florida. Yeah. That's, that's good, 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 good contrast. Bright, good yeah. bright colors. Uh, wrapping up here with Blake Topmeyer. He's the SEC columnist for the USA Today Network. You can read his work here in Memphis in the commercial appeal. Blake, I want to get your thoughts. It's It's a little outside the realm of the SEC, but we had these reports and – really appearance, if you will, of Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyavkov at SMU reports that SMU and San Diego State may get targeted for Pac-12 expansion. Also a report that the Pac-12 is having trouble securing a new media deal uh, that is comparable to the one the Big 12 just agreed to. And now it feels like the Big 12 can maybe finally move forward now that Texas and Oklahoma are going to officially leave. What do you make of all this uh, these, I don't know, reverberations, not a full-on, you know, these aren't tectonic shifts here, like Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC, but there does feel like there's something brewing here on it from an expansion standpoint. What have you uh, made of it? Yeah, I think so, and I think I think SMU, to me, always stood out as, like, who's who's in that next wave of, of G6, you know, group of six, or excuse me, power six, I guess I should say, power six programs, you know, just on the outside 